Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching... FSR. This is the best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. Day two of the was Odell Beckham Jr. choked storyline. And it is really surprising that we have another day out of this, but we have another day out of was Odell Beckham Jr. choked. On Sunday, there was a big play in the Ravens' loss of the Browns. Odell Beckham Jr. and Marlon Humphrey are locked up wide during a running play. Odell Beckham Jr. throws a punch at Marlon Humphrey as they're engaged with each other. Then Humphrey kind of throws Beckham to the ground. Beckham falls, and it looks like he is choking Odell Beckham. Right. And there is a lot of contrary. We talked about it last night. Why wasn't Odell Beckham thrown out for throwing a punch? Why wasn't Humphrey ejected for choking Odell Beckham Jr.? Mm -hmm. Okay, now we're we're done. But no, no, no. The story continues to have legs because the Ravens— put out a video today showing that 
technically, Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't really choked. Well, technically. If you're being technical about it. And if you see the video, I see their point. It's an ISO cam on Odell Beckham Jr., super slow-mo, like NFL films. And when Humphrey is on top of Odell Beckham Jr. with his hands looking like he's choking Odell Beckham Jr., his hands are really on the insides of Odell's shoulder pads. Sure. So he's got a big grasp of him there. Now, does he have his arms around his neck and he's like 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 Homer and Bart Simpson? No. Does he have his hands right there? Yes, he does. So the Ravens say, hey, just to make this a thing and let make sure everybody knows, Marlon Humphrey didn't actually choke Odell Beckham Jr. But when you ask Freddie Kitchens, Brown's head coach today, he got all rhetorical on everybody. At that point, at some point, Freddie Kitchens had to say, um, all right, maybe I should see the video again. No, but you know what? No, doesn't matter. Everybody saw the video. We saw what we saw, and I'm fine with it. Are you splitting hairs on it? Yes. Technically, did he choke Odell Beckham Jr.? No. Did he have his hands on his shoulder pads when he came to the ground? Yes. It's not that It's not that much of a difference for me as far as what happened on the field. Then the referees jump on. They pull him off. It's When you hear he's choking Odell Beckham, you have the image of he's got his hands around his throat and he is choking him, trying to snuff out his life and making him not breathe. Whereas what I saw when the first time I saw the video was he's got his hands are just stopping him, holding him, saying, hey, what are you doing? And look, not that he should do that. He should have been ejected from the game. But I didn't think he was trying to, you know, kill Odell Beckham Jr. And now you see this video and it looks like, all right, he wasn't, that he had his hands on his shoulder pads. So you're kind of splitting hairs. Still doesn't mean he shouldn't have been ejected because he should have been. Yeah, they both should have still been tossed from the game. Yeah, and Odell Beckham Jr. should have been tossed from the game. But, all right, now I, I hope this story... Can go away now because nah, we got him on Monday Night Football I mean, against the 49ers. I mean, Are yeah. you kidding me? Is <laughs> anybody gonna try to just everybody's gonna try to choke Odell? No, it's just a, a full buildup. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. The, the his response was, "I'm sorry, I lost an earring because he lost one on the field." The big award, I'm sure. The big takeaway from this is that if you're the Browns, you know you're good for three or four Odell Beckham controversies over the course of the year. Right, you know, some of them are going to be bad. They can't be that mad. Probably figure you're writing down you're in for about four of them, right? Because that's usually what he does. And consider yourself lucky that this first one was very benign. This is it was on the field. They were going at it with each other. Neither of them got tossed, and we won the game. Okay, we got through the big first Odell Beckham Jr. controversy. Now the next one that comes could wind up being something like, uh, you know, why isn't Baker throwing me the ball on fourth down anymore? And now suddenly everything is a mess. It could be a video that's posted on the internet that doesn't make Odell Beckham Jr. look very good, or it could be something more benign, like, oh, I'm going to wear another expensive watch on the field because I feel like it. If you're the Browns, be happy that so far you have been pretty scot-free with Odell Beckham controversies. Well, but even go back to some of the controversies, oh, you put that term in quotes, italicize whatever you want to do with it, of the past, they were really nothing individually. They just started to add up, right? And in this case, he got a pass because it became about him getting choked. Again, choked, whatever term you want to use, slammed to the ground and held to the ground while a message was delivered. I, I don't know how to best phrase that, but he got away with the punch. That's not the story here. I don't know how that isn't part of the story. Like, that's just pushed aside. Yeah. It's all about Humphrey. He should have been tossed. I mean, you throw a punch, you get tossed. Right. And the only thing that I can take away from that is that the officials didn't want to be seen. Okay, they missed the Odell Beckham punch. 
And if they throw him out, they look like they're targeting Odell Beckham Jr. And if they don't, th- and if they throw out Humphrey, it's a. I feel like they got afraid to have the jurisprudence they were supposed to have on that play, or they didn't know until after. Yeah, no, Odell threw a punch at him. Well, we didn't see the punch. Can we throw him out? That's the only thing that that take that that I can cut from. And Sean Hockley was the was the referee. Is that we just missed it, and we were afraid of any kind of justice that we were going to meet out after none of us really saw it, and we're just going to hope that we can sweep this under the rug and move on. I just really thought that you'd adopt the policy of a hockey fight, right? You stay, and as soon as someone's knee or they go to the ice, that's it. Then the referee comes in and separates. Yeah. Referee just stood there watching. Well, <laughs> well they was standing over Odell Beckham. It's because of the helmets and the pads. I, I, you know, that's kind of what it it's is. It's your really. job. Get in there. Yeah, it's a lot of helmets. It's a lot of pads. It's, there uh, were two guys. What it is. Yeah, two it's... men enter, one man leave. And if he had, you know, Hockley had his old man's pipes. And those me extra. Oh, Ed Hockley shirts. would have been ripping guys off. No, that's like, just, just it. Throwing guys them out. In, like when, like when uh, Iron Man grabs uh, grabs Loki, just tosses him, awesome. he goes flying that's like a it. thousand feet. Yeah, that's what it would be. But just be happy that you've gotten through the first two Odell Beckham Jr. controversies, and it's been okay. That's that's the main takeaway from this. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. What a bottom of the eighth inning. In the Nats-Brewers wildcard game, hold on to your hats. We're going to tell you what just happened. The Brewers are batting right now in the top of the ninth inning. One away, and the Nats are two outs away from the most unlikely of comebacks, a game that the Brewers pitching staff was dominating the entire game. Josh Hader, their best reliever, comes in in the ninth inning. Loads the bases with two outs. The crowd in Washington is going nuts. They are absolutely insane. Juan Soto is up, and he laces a single to right field. This is going to bring in one run, maybe two, and it's going to be a tie game. But right, but, a, but a clean clean play at the it's plate, a clean, yeah, maybe, it's, maybe we get a throw. It's one run, maybe two, right? Maybe mm-hmm. I assume they would have sent they would have sent the runner, but maybe not. But you don't so you don't know what would happen. But it's one run at least. And somehow Trent Grishman right field takes a really bad route to the ball. Maybe it's spun. I'm trying to look on the replays to see if there was any kind of action or any kind of English on the ball, but he just overruns it. And he comes at it from this. It looks like he was trying to maybe come at it from the side enough to grab it and throw it. And it goes under his glove, past him. Everybody scores. Soto is thrown out trying to stretch it into a triple. And he was very excited after getting thrown out, tagged out between second and third, and he's slamming his helmet down oh, already. Yeah. Going, yeah, I'm excited. I'm but excited. But the crowd shot, absolutely amazing, right? I, People, unbelievable. I don't know if they had a beer fountain that suddenly exploded in the outfield I, I, seats or what. That but was, that just got crazy. That was insane, and it was shocking. It was 
not expected. You thought a hater's going to get out of this, but he had trouble throwing well, strikes. Yeah, two, yeah, two he outs, was wild. right? You get a strikeout to start, a hit by a pitch, and, and then another strikeout. So two outs, Zimmer with the base hit, then Rendon walks, and then you get the single and just chaos. I mean, the ball goes under Grisham's glove. I can't believe it. It's not like it took a bad bounce. It's not like it was some, He took like kind of a circuitous route to the ball, and... It winds up just going under his glove, like I, like maybe a cue ball when you put some English I, that's on I mean, it. I don't or know. Something. Was there some kind of action? But it like we only like saw one st- quick replay. They did yeah. more about Soto and the crowd and all these kids in the crowd losing their minds. Uh, just uh, amazing visuals here as we're watching the game unfold here in the Geico Studios. And he gets hung up between second and third. And he knows he's getting tagged out. And while they're still in the rundown, he's thumping his chest going, yeah, I did it. He was doing the McConaughey. Yeah, I did it. (laughs) So he gives the Nats the lead, a play that would have been maybe a 3-2 game, maybe a tie game. But instead, the Nats have the lead, and now they are one out away from winning this game and moving on to the NLDS. The Brewers do have a runner at first, two outs. Daniel Hudson trying to close it out for the Nationals. And it was, they they were dead from the neck up all game. They had the one hit from Trey Turner and that was it. And it was just nothing, 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 nothing. And Hader comes in and can't throw strikes and builds momentum and the crowd gets into it and Hader really struggled. Now, not that this means he couldn't have a big night tonight, but Hader, who was really good in the September stretch run, did blow the save on Sunday, giving up a giving up a homer in the bottom of the ninth inning to the Colorado Rockies. So he comes in it tonight. And he has the rough outing in the eighth inning, and it is now over. Fly out to center field. The he Nationals. tagged it too. Yeah, he tagged it. It was just a line yep. drive. There was no no air under it. The Nationals move on to the NLDS. They beat the Brewers four to three in a. It, it's like a flash flood of shockingness that you don't say. Oh my God! Look at it's here. They're all mobbing Juan Soto right now after the game in the outfield, and suddenly, and this is what happens in sports, Josh Hader, Trent Grisham become names in baseball lore that we'll talk about forever. Trent, You mentioned Trent Grisham's name. It's going to be, he was the guy. He was the guy the ball went under his glove and we lost. He was the well, guy. Because you had a charmed month, right? I mean, the coming into this, this game, and we'll talk with John Paul Morosi a little later on in the show, but coming into this game and, and setting up the playoffs, Brewers were the talk of baseball. Right, the Dodgers had clinched things so long ago. It's Kenley Jansen, but other than that, here we go in in what most believe is a march to a fourth or third straight World Series. You have Washington now. We'll meet up with the Dodgers uh, and be careful what you wish for. Right? They, you know, they some wanted the Nationals, thinking offensively they could be had. Others looking at the Brewers, saying, "Well, you know what? They they don't have the starting pitching." But the hot month that they had, they were the story in baseball. Even when Yelich went down, you chronicled it here. It's well documented at How About a Fresca on Twitter and in the podcast files over on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts that they were going to take care of business with the week schedule that they had for the month of September. So you thought, all right, here they are. And they get the two early home runs. They get out to the 3 nothing lead. They had a couple of other scoring opportunities that they squandered in the middle of the game that 
that those are also opportunities and at bats that they're going to look back on. And, you know, the old, like a quarterback after he throws an interception, oh, they'd like to have that one back. Well, yeah. I mean, they they had Scherzer on the ropes and they let him off the hook, right? And then Strasburg, because they could have really opened up a lead, right? Three, right. Like but still, 3 you're, 1 you're is talking, not insurmountable. Hey, we're up 3 1 and Josh Hader's on the mound in the eighth inning. You're feeling you're thinking, pretty good. Well, I'll take that yep. 10 times out of 10. Well, sure. And you had two outs. You got to two outs and then that that error, I mean, that's the one shining moment play that will define at least the early part of these I mean, that, playoffs. That's going to be a that'll be a famous play in baseball history now. I mean, obviously it be, it gains more importance if the Nationals go on and they win and they get to the World Series, right. depending how their run goes. But that play right now, I mean, you you say Trent Grisham's name, it's gonna be, he, he's going to live. Unfortunately, I mean, he's going to live in baseball infamy now. You know, it, not not quite to the Bill Buckner. Right, it's not on that scale. It's not the World sure. Series of the sixth inning, but you know, you say Trent Grisham in Milwaukee, it's gonna be oh my well, god! But yeah, go lo- locally, glove. it's gonna be a big thing. Let it under his and glove. when we do retrospectives of the year that was, and and kind of go through the paces here, especially again with the story that Milwaukee became after Yelich's injury, right? Because there were some folks starting to do previews, going, "Wait, he's unavailable now." What is what happens to them now? It's like, no, didn't you watch? They just had a magnificent run and to even get to this point. But yeah, for for Grisham, twenty two year old kid out of Fort Worth, Texas, uh, that that is now the early career defining moment. I I don't see I don't know, and, and it's hard to get past unless you hit a home run to win a World Series game. But I I don't see how he he didn't get that ball. I mean, that's, I, that, that's that's what I don't. It's not like. It was a hit that he had to run a lot to. He was coming in to get it. He was he was trying to make a throw, and the ball just is it like Marcus went, May, went where he him. took a bad angle? Remember the Odell uh, Beckham yeah. Jr. play? No, he wasn't actually <laughs> running away from the play like Marcus well, May no, was. No, but Odell Beckham Jr. he turned that way, so Marcus May thought, "I'll give him another five yards, and I'll get there." That's an old Monday Night Football Jets reference to uh, stick a dagger. It's not too uh, old. It's, it's only two weeks old. Well, but folks might have forgotten, so I just had to refresh their memory. But in this case, that's that's the question: Did it, did it suddenly take a skip? Did it suddenly spin away from him? I mean, we haven't gotten the Sabruder film. Frame by frame, or we'll the Magruder if... film, according to Terry Bradshaw. Well, we got that the Magruder too. film. <laughs> That's right. But no, oh. but I, I, I want to see replays, and the only replays we have seen have been the live replay and the ISO cam from the first base side of Grisham overrunning the ball, and and so it, and it's you can't tell from that angle. We need that behind the outfield. Right. You know, the, the, we need the outfield cam the old, from behind right field. Does it change trajectory? Do, yeah, you know, does one it, of those. Did it hit a rock or because something? Because if there. if he hit it and it had that kind of movement where it kind of dovetails away from him, then I can see. Oh boy! But I I I, I really want to see that. I mean, this this is this is just an. I mean, I I didn't see this coming. I mean, haters coming in. It's over. And then he can't throw strikes. You could feel the momentum building as we're watching this. The national players, every time a ball is thrown, every time a ball is thrown by Hayter, they're tiptoeing out of the box and kind of d- doing a little bit of a dance, like, oh, another ball, another ball. And you could just see the momentum continuing to uh, to to affect the way this inning goes out. And you got Soto with the base hit. And I, I, really, I really need to see some kind of slower, slow-mo replay, some kind of situation where I go, okay, now I could see where the ball went. The ball did go under his glove, but he right. tries to come at it from the side. Right. And that's the thing is that – You didn't get it straight you, you, up. You yeah. need to come at that ball straight on. And and that's – especially when you know a guy could be coming home. 
You know, this isn't, okay, here's a base hit, and I can come at it from the side and kind of – it's kind of a lazy way to do but it. But that's it. Did he have a bad read? Did he have a bad I, line? I, I don't know. Was it spinning? The, the corkscrew effect on it? I mean, there's just so many questions. I mean, we're seeing the – the post game with Soto and the celebration and the crowd just, uh, just absolutely crazy. I know as a, a Mets fan, this has has to be hurting, but at least it wasn't Bryce Harper. I think you take some consolation in that. But just everybody trying to figure out exactly what happens. You see the term, you know, bad angle here. People referencing Buckner, he's absolutely getting obliterated. Social media is not his fa- friend. Hater is now the number one trending topic. On Twitter, as you go, I've yet to see a video pop into my timeline, so still awaiting that. But just being able to to see another replay would be huge. The celebration on the field is big, but that play and exactly what Grisham, what's going through his mind, the angle. I someone's got to have a camera on it from the the right field bleachers. Maybe we'll get that posted to social media too to help us. I just don't know. So many uh, questions on that final scoring play. I'm trying to see if anybody's updated Trent Grisham's Wikipedia page. Be afraid. And I I, I haven't seen it yet. Did they lock my, it? My, mine shows uh, Trent oh, Marcus Grisham is an American professional baseball trash can for the Milwaukee <laughs> oh, Brewers. Oh, no. no. Yes. Really? They called him a trash can. Oh, wow. Oh, that's just tough. that that fast, man. Mm, mm. Well, I will say this: with this being the 40th anniversary of Chris Berman at ESPN, you know what a couple of lines he would have tonight. Oh, please, if he by was all doing means, sports. can I give you a couple? Guys, yeah, give you a couple. He would lob it up, buddy. And TJ, a firm misplay in right field tonight by Grisham, costing the Brewers. TJ, okay. Uh, TJ, the Brewers no longer have any time to kill after Grisham's misplay. Oh, no. In right field. They've got plenty of time to kill. TJ. Oh, maybe, boy. maybe the Brewers will be meeting with a new client to play right field after Grisham's play tonight. TJ. <laughs> Can you play with surnames? Maybe get Gil Grissom in while you're at from CSI. No, I, no John Grisham has too many novels. No, I, he's got a thousand novels. No, that's just it. And maybe now the Brewers will be playing for pizza thanks to Grisham's error in right field tonight. TJ. Just wow. You like that, don't you? Yeah. You're just oh. having too much fun now. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NL wildcard game, the Brewers are cruising. Up 3-1 in the 8th over the Nationals. Josh Hader comes in in the 8th. You're figuring this is lights out. Hader struggles. Loads the bases with two outs. And then Juan Soto. Singles to right field. And that's when the interesting stuff really started happening. The kick, here it comes. Swing and a line drive. Base hit right field. Taylor scores from third. Stevenson around third. The ball missed in right field. Rounding third. Coming home is Rendon. He will score. But now caught in a run down is Soto. He will be tagged out by Moustakis. But that's the third out. Three 
Nationals Radio Network on the call. Trent Grishman, right field. Looks like it was a bad angle. Again, the replays have not been that great so far, but it looks like he took a bad angle to the ball, and instead of a single and maybe a tie game, it gets by him. All three runners score. Nationals take a 4-3 lead, and then Daniel Hudson shuts down the Brewers in the ninth, and the Nationals snatch a win when it looked like defeat was certain. Joining us now on the hotline, a man who I'm sure is as shocked as we are, Fox Sports 1 MLB Network analyst John Palmarosi and J.P., we haven't seen some of the best angles on this yet. I want to see the one from the, the right field camera behind the fence, but it just looked like he took a bad angle to the ball, Grisham, and, and he tried to come at it from the side, and it just it scoots by him. Yeah, it, it does. It looked like maybe a combination of, as, as you say, a, a bit of a, a bad angle and also maybe a bad hop. It looked like the ball had had some spin on it, the kind of top spin going into the angle, into the corner rather, which I think was uh, was maybe part of the issue for Grisham. But of course, big picture here, that's a 22 year old rookie uh, playing right field, and and for a team that was able to avoid being stung too much by the absence of Christian Yelich for so long. It's now the rookie replacement playing Yelich's position who makes the crucial error. And I think that, to me, is, is probably the best way to summarize this for the Brewers. That They were uh, a valiant team for a very long time this year, undermanned. They didn't really have the, the, the rotation, uh, at least in my opinion, uh, to be able to compete for a playoff berth. They proved me wrong. They got there. Uh, they were able to creatively manage this game to, to get Woodruff a fourth inning, which we thought originally was only going to be maybe two or three innings. He was dynamic, excellent. Suter came in. He was very good. Pomeranz was very good. Uh, so they got the game to, to Hayter in the eighth, which is basically what they wanted, uh, but he just was not able to be efficient enough. The command wasn't there, uh, and, and, of course, the Brewers never got to see uh, the bottom of the ninth inning. So it, uh, it was a stunning turn of events. There were, I can assure you, a lot of uh, leads being written and rewritten in the press box uh, for having done that a lot over the years. There are a lot of really good stories that were, uh, that were written uh, tonight about the, the demise of the Nationals and this lost decade of how they had won uh, the fourth most regular season games in this decade but were not able to ever to have any success in the playoffs. Well, delete that or maybe save it for another couple weeks because uh, they are back in business now. And, oh, by the way, uh, not that they're ever going to admit this, but I believe there were a few um, there were a few pillows thrown at television sets among the Dodgers watching that game because uh, they just got themselves a much tougher division series opponent than what Milwaukee would have been uh, by having to now handle with the Washington Nationals. Now we'll have time. We'll preview that in a bit. But you know, obviously, the other part of tonight is you saw Grisham make the mistake, but. Josh Hader comes in and what you're thinking is going to be, hey, this is a lights-out situation. Why did he struggle tonight? What did you see? I think he was uh, maybe a little overcome by the moment. And and that is where playoff baseball uh, is is so telling. It can be uh, it can really be a cruel uh, fate at the end of a game. Uh, and, and who would have thought that when that eighth inning began – that the names we'd be talking about as as being those that disappointed in that inning would be Hader and Grisham, uh, the 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 formerly unstoppable reliever, a 143 batting average that he uh, allowed against lefties all year, and it's a lefty that beats him with, with a three-run single or at least a two-run single with, with the error. I, I think it, it was a case of command. Was it nerves? 
Was it anxiety? Uh, the, the, the setting? Uh, one never knows. It's, it's such a difficult um, thing to, I think, ascertain the, how, how a player is going to handle a moment like that. And, and certainly Hayter had been there in the playoffs last year against the Dodgers, against the Rockies, and had been dominant in most of the times that we saw him. So it's not as though he couldn't handle the big stage, period. It's just tonight he couldn't. And I, I think I give a lot of credit to the Nationals, and this is one of the things where we always have to be open-minded in sports. It was so easy for seven and a half innings to say, well, same old Nationals again. Scherzer gives up the, the runs early, uh, but it's a different cast. And, and Juan Soto was was nowhere near uh, the, those collapses in 2012 and 2014 and 2016. That, that, that was not his doing. And, and I think it's great in sports how sometimes you're just getting ready to write the same narrative of Hayter will be as good as dominant as he was last year. And, and the Nationals will be just as, uh, as, as inconsistent and disappointing in the playoffs as they've always been. Well, the script flipped in two different ways tonight. Um, Hayter just didn't look fully ready for that six-out save. Uh, he, of course, had given up the home run over the weekend uh, in Colorado. Was he still shooken, uh, shaken up from that? You never know. Those are all possibilities there, but uh, that was certainly not the result and not the hater that uh, the Brewers were expecting to see there on the mound tonight. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon here from the Geico Studios. Our buddy John Paul Morosi joins us right now breaking down the chaos that we just saw. The Washington Nationals come back from the 3-1 deficit to take the wild card game they advance to go see the dodgers you can follow jp on twitter at john morosi j-o-n no h leave that off for savings and because mom said so at john morosi uh mlb network fox sports is where you find his work as well so uh as you alluded to i mean there would have the, all the poison pens were out not only for the here they fail again probably for dave martinez and then we have the rumor of rendon's contract and potential terms as to what that's all about very crazy news day but all of a sudden it flips on on its head and they face the dodgers who've been waiting to play meaningful baseball for about four months well exactly mike and really it was it was rather interesting the timing of of, of the Rendon report, um, I, I don't think anybody expects that he was going to sign a deal before the game started. Uh, Especially uh, and, at that rate, really, either. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, I, I think there was a certain sentiment that uh, um, maybe a cynical reading of that was uh, was someone attached to the club getting that out there as, as a way of, of giving them cover if he signs somewhere else. If so, there is plenty of time to do that in the coming weeks when uh, when the season's over. If you if you really wanted to do that, uh, it was the timing of it was not uh, was not optimal, and yet it was very predictable from the standpoint of how things seem to have gone for the Nationals at different times. Um, but he, I thought, uh, one of the big at bats of the night was the walk that he drew. That was to me one of the more crucial moments there. He gets to a full count. Uh, I thought it was great analysis by Jeff Franco in the broadcast about how the hitter was approaching that situation and, and the wondering, okay, would you maybe see a 3-0 swing there? He threw him a fastball 3-0. He took it. He took. Uh, he was able to foul off that, that tough 3-1 pitch inside um, that you wonder how, how that game would have been differently. An inch here or there, that, that pitch was almost too good. If that pitch comes back over the plate uh, maybe an inch, and and Rendon gets more barrel, uh, more of the barrel on it. Maybe just the shafts of the of the bat. It's probably a pop up, and, and they're out of the inning. It was just that that was that was how close it is 
uh, between winning and losing. Uh, one inch away, and, and the inning ends rather harmlessly. Instead, we have the result that we see tonight. So, uh, an incredible pitch, incredible at bat, I, I thought, by Rendon there to follow that pitch off. It was a really devastating pitch, and then earn the walk. That was so important. I, I thought overall, just a, a really gutty effort by the Nationals, which uh, we have not candidly said often in, in October's uh, in, in this decade, but a very gutty effort by the Nationals, and now it's a, it's a new beginning for them. They're now the underdog against the Dodgers, and I'm not sure that it's much more uh, than a pick at this point in time. As much as everybody loves the Dodgers, and they've got a great team, no question about it, but the Nationals, especially riding this momentum, the emotion you see tonight is why basically the wild card winning teams have a 500 record or close to it against the number one seeds in division series play since MLB adopted this two wild card format back in 2012. You know, lastly, JP, we talked about all the plays, but one we haven't talked about is in the eighth, Zimmerman's broken bat single to center field, which Michael Taylor went from first to third on. All right, and we spent a lot. Look, look, look at this play. Here's the broken bat, and. Watching this play, watching the replay, Michael Taylor hesitates for some reason around second base. There's two outs, and Lorenzo Cain gets the ball. He's got a great shot because Taylor's trying to go to third. He can throw him out at third base, but staring right in front of him is an empty second base because everybody is out to try to catch this pop-up, and I think he gets caught with, well, I'm running the ball into the infield so Zimmerman doesn't wind up getting to second on this play when he really he could have come up with that and, and, and thrown the ball to third, and I, I really think he had a great chance of getting throwing Taylor out at third, but he probably just didn't see it because right in front of his, hey, nobody's at second base. I'm running the ball into the infield. That's a really good point, and, and even then, when you think about it, uh, Taylor should have been off with the crack of the bat because it's two outs in, in that situation, uh, and, and good point by you about the fact that he did hesitate a little bit. I, I think just the fact that the bat shattered was just a jarring uh, visual for everybody, it seemed like, on the field at, at the moment. But you're right. It was, it was, it was an odd play. Uh, I, I don't necessarily fault the Brewer players for, uh, for, for making that effort to try to catch the ball. Uh, and, of course, at that point in time, that's just the tying run getting aboard. And I think Lorenzo, I, I understand what he was thinking there. Don't let the tying run get the scoring position. I think that's because that run, that run can't beat you, uh, or at least the, the run on third is not able to tie the game against you. So I, I understand the thought process. Uh, and Lorenzo, even though his, uh, obviously he's been dealing with a bit of a leg injury, uh, he's not quite as mobile as he used to be, but I, I think still his, his, his baseball IQ is as great as it's ever been. He's always been a very, very smart defensive player. So I, I, I don't criticize him all that much. That was one of those fluky plays that I think he, he just saw what he saw, as you point out, uh, that the open second base I think it was a, a disorienting play for everybody, uh, I think, in the field for the Brewers at, at that point in time. And uh, he did probably the best he could to at least keep Zimmerman on first base. But to your point, Zimmerman is not running well. And, and maybe that should have been a, a case of, hey, take the aggressive play. Zim isn't really running right now, barely running at all. Uh, do you maybe take the chance to throw uh, Taylor out of third base? That's a great idea. And, of course, with two outs, that would have ended the inning at third base where, where Taylor may well have been uh, the name that we're talking about uh, as having a rough night, and now instead it's Grisham, the replacement for Yelich. So a uh, classic postseason baseball game, my friends, and I'm ready for a full month of what we just saw tonight. Well, if we're, if the games are going to be like this, I think we're all down for it. Yeah, I, just call me anytime. I'll be up late watching games. So <laughs> give me a shout. 
any day of the week. Just uh, give me a if I'm if I'm not on television, just call me. And, and if I am on TV, I may actually I may hit the ignore button, but I'll call you back later. Uh, how's that sound? You're All the right, best. I like that. I like that. He's telling us when I'm going to hit the ignore button on you, but yeah, I will I mean, call you back. If I got a producer saying, Morosi, you got to interview this person, and I'm like, wait a minute, but Jason's calling me. Jason's <laughs> calling me. My friend Jason and Mike, they're calling me tonight. I, I may have to say, guys, I'll talk to you later. I got to go do this now, but I'll, I'll get back to you, okay? That's my guy. Thanks there a bunch, go. buddy. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Have a <laughs> great, great one. See you, Happy JP. Postseason baseball, my friends. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.